You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Once, once there was a real child, who I will call Jojo, who came here to First Universalist Church. Now Jojo was full of curiosity and good ideas and often shared really amazing questions and deep thoughts that helped the other kids in their class see things in a totally new way. But being at First Universalist Church was not easy for Jojo. Jojo had so many things to think about, and when Jojo shared their ideas, it was really important to them that they used just the right words to explain them, and it took a lot of energy and a lot of time to figure out how to do that just right. So every Sunday, about halfway through church, Jojo felt done. They had worked hard and shared well, and now they were ready to go home. The trouble was, their dad was still in the sanctuary, and their class wasn't over yet, so Jojo didn't get to leave. For the second half of class, Jojo usually sat by the door, put their head down, and refused to talk. They looked really alone and really sad. And they sat there on that hard floor in a sad heap until their dad came to pick them up. Now, luckily, one of Jojo's teachers was a creative and understanding real person named Andy. And Andy could see that Jojo's mind was busy and their body was tired. And Andy could appreciate that Jojo had already done a whole morning's worth of thinking and feeling and talking and listening in just 35 minutes. So Andy made a plan. The next Sunday, Andy showed up to church with these two giant pillows and she cleared a corner of the classroom and made a cozy nest there with those pillows. Now when class started, Jojo and all the other kids gathered in a circle and they lit the chalice and they said good morning to one another. And then Andy told them all about the pillow corner and invited anyone to use it anytime they wanted to. So what do you think happened about halfway through class that day? Well, Jojo crept out of the circle and over to the corner, and snuggled up in that pile of pillows, and closed their eyes, and a giant smile came onto their face. Jojo loved the sound of the other kids talking and laughing, and the softness of the spot they had there in the corner. They felt like they really belonged there in that friendly room. It felt so relaxing and so good. When their dad came to pick them up, they took their time leaving. It was hard to leave that cozy space that had been created with them in mind for anyone, actually, who might need a little sanctuary. Jojo was the first person to enjoy those pillows, but not the last. It turns out, at some point, almost everyone needs a corner full of pillows. Everyone needs a a place where they can go when they're feeling down, tired, done. Welcome to this place. Welcome to this church full of 
nervousness and excitement, full of joy and sadness, thresholds and love. Welcome to this room full of people with big ideas and people who need a place to rest. Whoever you are, we welcome you. Come, let us worship together. So I want to tell you a couple of stories today that both come from the writer of the book called Hands-Free Mama, Hands-Free Life. And in these stories, it's the author, Rachel Macy Stafford, who is talking about her own life. So it starts with this one. She says, my fifth grade daughter and I started, well, my fifth grade daughter started a new extracurricular activity a couple of weeks ago. We're still learning the ropes and we're not quite sure how things work. On the first day, we walked up to two women who were waiting with their kids for the activity to start. I politely asked them a question about the protocol and how things work, and I explained that we were new. But I was met with annoyed facial expressions and curt answers. Following that response up with an introduction seemed inappropriate, so I turned to their children and I introduced myself to them and my daughter to them as well. And we just talked with the kids until the activity began. The next week, she says, I saw the women in the waiting area again. Hello, I said warmly. How are you both doing today? I received mumbled replies, and they immediately turned back to talking to each other and turned away from us. My daughter and I decided to talk to one another to try and relieve this painful feeling of being invisible that we were both having. Last week, she says, as my daughter and I walked up to the activity, I saw the women there in their usual spot and I felt a twinge of something that I couldn't explain in my stomach. It wasn't a pleasant feeling. Maybe it was anxiety or embarrassment or awkwardness. Whatever it was, that feeling made me feel like not trying anymore. So I stopped my daughter a couple of feet away from the waiting area, and I said, why don't we just watch some games going on over here? And that, she said, that is when the best possible result that could have happened from this experience occurred. I said to my daughter, Remember this. Remember what this feels like. Remember this feeling when you are in familiar territory and someone new walks up looking for guidance. Remember how this feels when you see someone who is out there on the outskirts and they're just anxiously holding on to their own hand. Remember how you're feeling right now when someone approaches you and asks you a question. See the bravery that's behind their words. Remember this when you see somebody who just stops trying. Maybe they've been rejected one too many times. Remember this feeling we're having right now when you see someone being excluded or alienated because you know just one friendly person can relieve this painful sense of feeling invisible. Remember, she said, remember that the deepest desire of the human heart is to belong, is to be welcomed, to know that you are seen and worthy of kindness. She quickly tells another story as well. She said, I was reminded of a very specific need that our family had when we moved to a new state three years ago. On one of our first trips to the grocery store, she said, we passed by my daughter's new school. I just hope, I hope I'm not the only new kid in my class, her older daughter said, looking out the window. I hope there's just one other new person. And after a long pause, still looking out the window, her daughter said again, just one. 
This had been my prayer in the months leading up to the move, Rachel writes, that there'd be just one kind person that each of my kids would encounter because one person can instantly make you feel unalone, uninvisible, like you belong. It was a couple of weeks later, Rachel writes, that her daughter met a girl at the neighborhood pool. Turns out they were the same age, going into the same grade at the same school. This will be my first year there, the girl said. Maybe we'll be in the same class. And that's when I saw the unmistakable look of relief on my daughter's face, Rachel says. One person has the power to do that. One person can take away months of worry in just a second. One person has that power to give someone else a feeling of hope. I know this, she writes, but I forget. I absolutely forget. Life gets busy, things get familiar, I get caught up in my own thoughts and worries and my own problems, she says. I nearly forget what I have the power to do. I think we forget. We forget that we have that power to be the one person that offers the warm welcome, to stick out our hand and say hello and introduce ourselves, to show somebody new where the lunchroom is or where the bathroom is, or maybe let them in on where the best mini donut shop at the fair is. These are important pieces of information we have to give to each other. I know for myself that when I get to feeling left out or lonely or scared, I often forget that I have any power at all. I forget that I have the power to look for the other person in the room who is also feeling scared or lonely or left out. And I forget that when I take that risk and I reach out, something absolutely magic happens. Not only do I help the other person feel a little bit better by sharing my kindness with them, but all of a sudden I start to feel better too. It's like a little magic trick. When I feel lonely and I reach out, I actually feel better. I think we forget sometimes that the deepest desire of the human heart is to belong, to be welcome, to know that you are seen and worthy of kindness. And absolutely everyone is worthy of those things. That is what our church community teaches us. It is our responsibility to put our hand out, to look for one another, to see each other, to do that welcome. Maybe it's at school or on the bus or in the line at the grocery store or even when we are starting to get angry in traffic. Everyone is worthy of kindness. Everybody wants to belong. It is together for each other that we find the strength to ask and learn and never fold up and disappear, Rachel Macy Stafford writes. It is together for each other that we find the strength to ask, to learn, and to never fold up and disappear. So let us remember who we are and what we have the power to do, especially when the world's pain feels so deep right now. Help us to remember that as individuals, we have the power to change things in just a moment in every interaction we encounter. So this is what I am asking us to do today especially for the folks who are starting something new tomorrow or next week or whenever it's coming. I want you to remember who you are and whose you are, which is ours and we love you, and what you have the power to be and do in this world. Remember that you are loved and known deeply here. Remember that you have a place that you belong in this world and you have the power to be someone else's person, to be that one person who is the welcomer, who's got their outstretched hand, who's looking for the people that need a little love in that moment. And I know it's easy to forget, so easy to forget that we have that power, sometimes easy to forget that we are known and seen and loved. 
So I'm going to let you in on a little secret about a trick that I use to help me remember who I am and whose I am and who I'm meant to be in the world. So sometimes when I'm feeling lonely or scared or small, like I don't belong in a place, I need to sneak away so that I can remember, so I can remember who I am and what I have the power to be. And so the place where I go to remember is the bathroom. So the trick about a bathroom is that they're, they're almost everywhere you go, and you can get out of almost any uncomfortable situation by saying, oh, sorry, excuse me, got to go to the restroom, got to go. And what I do when I'm in there is I hide, and I take a deep breath, and I remember. I remember the people that love me, whether they're alive or dead. I remember that I have the power to reach out and help someone else. And I remember that my job, actually, not only because it's the right thing to do, but because it's going to make me feel better, but my job is to look for who is even more uncomfortable than me in the room and reach out to them. So I hide out in the bathroom, and it's kind of my secret, except now you know. <laughs> this is So maybe, well, probably every time I go to the bathroom, I'm not hiding from you. Um, <laughs> And I want to acknowledge that the bathroom is not everybody's safe place for lots of very real reasons. So the bathroom may not be your secret sanctuary spot. For you, maybe your place of secret sanctuary is when you're on the bus and you're looking out the window. Maybe it's when you put your headphones on and you're listening to your favorite music. Maybe you're doodling in your notebook and kind of letting the teacher's words of the other kids talking just wash over you. Maybe it happens when you're at lunch and you open up your lunchbox and you see last night's leftovers in the thermos and you're psyched about that because somebody thought about you. You can make this secret sanctuary anywhere that you are and nobody has to know that you're doing it. You can just go there in your mind. So part of what I want you to think about, especially for folks who are starting new things tomorrow, is where can that secret sanctuary spot be for you? Is it somewhere you just go in your mind, or is it a particular place? Somewhere hiding out in the bathroom or on the bus or a corner where you can open your book for the five minutes at recess? Where is that secret sanctuary where you can remember who you are and whose you are and what you are meant to do in this world? Because the deep tr truth is that you are whole and holy and loved. We care about you, and you have so much power in this world. So... I want to help you remember that you can make these secret sanctuaries anywhere you are, and I want you to have a little touchstone to help you remember that you can make this secret sanctuary. So we're going to give you this gift. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming community that finds strength in the diversity of identities of all who find inspiration and comfort here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text FIRSTUNIV, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org dot o r g